so good to see you all here today. Um, praise God. Isn't it good to all be together? This is great. We think that more people are probably coming. And so because of that, we would ask, if you can, can you just all sort of move towards the middle? So the middle ones, everybody sort of move towards the middle. That way, when they come in, they don't have to crawl over the top of you to get into their seats. Awesome. We won't have a time to shake hands with each other today because we're already pretty close. So we'll be fine. We'll be fine. Well, some of you may have not been with us for the last few weeks, and you may be wondering um, why it is that this, um, that this is happening. Why are we having this service where we're all together? And so we just want to let you know um, that really what we as, as a church, as a leadership of the church have thought is, you know, there's a lot of hurting and suffering and brokenness in our world, in our own lives and we've seen that put on display as, as our pastor has poured out his life to us and revealed some of his suffering and his brokenness. And so we want to come together as one body to come around each other, to care for each other all together. And so we're here today to do that, um, to pray with one another, to encourage one another. And to worship together um, this God who has saved us and this God who goes with us still. So that's why we're all together. And, and frankly, I'm excited. Um, it's, it's just great to see everybody all in one place. To take of the Lord's Supper together. It's a beautiful thing. So let's go to the Lord. Um, and let's just ask him to meet with us here and to bless our time. Let's praise his name. Would you pray with me? Our gracious God, we give you praise. We praise you because you have set apart this time in our lives to be here, to be with each other. You've set aside this time to be with you. 
And so, Lord, in this place and in this time, we give you praise. We praise you because you know all of our brokenness. We praise you because you know all of our shame and our guilt and our suffering. We praise you because you meet us in the midst of our suffering. We praise you, Father, because you did not say to us to to forget about the hard things in life. But rather you call us to remember you. We praise you because you haven't called us to avoid difficulty. But you have met us in the midst of difficulty. Lord, you didn't say to us that we can't ever cry and express our sorrow, but rather you wipe away the tears from our eyes. You don't say to us that we won't suffer or that we shouldn't suffer. You say that you're with us in the midst of our suffering and for that we give you praise. We pray this morning as we meet with one another, as we pray together, that we would be an encouragement to each other. That we would rise That we would rise from the hurts of this life into your presence, even even now, even today, as we look forward to the day when you raise us all into your presence forever. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. King of this God who is our refuge. Would you stand and sing that?
sweet the sound of saving grace. Amen. Let's thank the Lord for that grace now. Would you pray with me? Jesus, we, we do thank you. We thank you for your saving grace. We thank you for, for dying in our place and fully and completely atoning for our sins. And we thank you that in you we can have life, abundant life, and eternal life with you. Lord, we pray that you would help us to live now in the midst of our suffering with our eyes fixed on that abundant eternal life you promise. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Well, as I said, we are excited to all be together, um, but we also know that you might, you might be here for the first time. You might be visiting with us, and so if that's the case, we want to let you know that we are extremely happy that you are joining with us today to see um, the whole body together, um, worshiping God and caring for one another we want to let you know that if, um, if you'd like, there are these cards. They're called EP Connect cards, and they are in the back of the pews in front of you, and they are an easy way for you to communicate with us. So if there's any concerns that you have, any way that we can care for you, can love you well, um, even if, if you need prayer, take this card, fill it out, and then just drop it in the offering plate um, a little bit later in the service. And we also want to let you know that if you're visiting with us, um, right out in, in the foyer, there's a welcome center. And after the service, you can stop by. They have a gift for you. They would love to meet you. Um, and just to let you know a little bit more about our life together as a church. So feel free to stop by there. And feel free to come, all of you, um, afterwards to the fellowship hall. There is a little extra laid out for you down there. So, so please come. Um, we figure that as long as we have everyone together... We should all fellowship together afterwards as well. Um, so please come down to the fellowship hall afterwards for some time together. Well, as you know, one of the things that we have been talking about as a church, another thing that we're doing together is this thing called Renew. And you've heard a lot about Renew, but we want to give you another chance to hear about Renew. So we're going to invite Brian McVeigh up, um, and he's going to just share a little bit about his experience with Renew and give you some encouragement there. So Brian... So I had the privilege of joining a Renew group uh, in spring with uh, Andrew Graham and Dave Castle, and it was a, a really great time to dive into the gospel in a way that you don't normally get to. Uh, there's nothing particularly revolutionary about the Renew curriculum, but the way it's laid out, it just it comes together in a way that makes so much sense. And I think everyone in the group, uh, it, it really hit them in different ways. No, no matter where you are in your spiritual walk uh, or, or whether you're still just exploring it and uh, trying to figure out what it all means. Um, it was really awesome to take, take a concept, something like justification that I always thought I, I understood, I thought I knew what it meant, uh, and then breaking it down into a way that um, is practical and makes some sense. Uh, 
just stopping and thinking about these concepts that we throw around all the time um, and what they actually mean. And uh, I think the whole, it, it really was transformative. Uh, the way, it really changed the way I looked at my faith and the way this piece and this piece and this piece all work together. Um, and being able to work that out with people who are farther along and people who are right there with me in their walks was, was such a blessing. Um, it's hard to overstate how, how cool the, the curriculum is. It just comes together. Um, and the way it weaves scripture in throughout uh, verses that I memorized when I was four years old here uh, come back and take on a whole new meaning. Um, so it was, it was really awesome. And I'd, I'd encourage all of you guys to join a group and uh, to get to dive into the gospel and just interact with it in a way that um, I never had before. Um, so I think you can do that through the website or the church app or find somebody with a, an orange shirt. They'll help you out. But uh, I'd encourage you to get involved and uh, join one of these groups. Thanks, Brian. Um, yes, if you if you do want to sign up, are here on the back of your worship guide, um, so you can use that to know how to sign up. Um, and certainly find someone in an orange shirt today if you have some more questions. It starts on the week of September 10th, um, so we're excited um, about that kicking off. Another thing, as we think about our life together, this whole body together. Um, and the ways in which we um, can fellowship with one another. And is this thing we have coming up is called a picnic. Have any of you heard of a picnic before? Okay, so you got a basic idea of what a picnic is? We're having one, and it's for all of you. It's a church-wide picnic. Um, we want everyone to come out. It'll be right here. It's on Saturday, September 2nd. Saturday, September 2nd, from 3 to 7 p.m., um, right here at the church in the field. Um, so please come. There's information in your worship guide about it, um, about what sorts of things you might want to bring, um, like chairs, um, food. Um, we want you there. Um, we want to spend time together as a body. Um, and one of the things, if you're thinking about Renew, this could be a great opportunity for you um, to meet the other people that might be in your Renew group. Um, so you might think ahead of time about how can I use this picnic as an opportunity um, to sort of coordinate some meetings with those who I'm going to be walking through the gospel with for the next year? Well, as we move into um, a time of, of offering and, and continuing the service, let's go to the Lord again in prayer. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you again that you have called us, your people, together into your body that you have gathered us here this morning. And we pray, Lord, that you would bless the rest of the service. Lord, that as we, as we continue to sing and as we continue to pray and as we hear your word opened before us, we pray, Lord, that your presence would be evident to us. Lord, that your spirit would speak boldly to our hearts and into our lives. We pray, Lord, that as we, as we come to the Lord's table, as we remember Jesus' death on the cross, that we would be reminded that that death was for us and our salvation, and that we'd be drawn deeper into love with you. Lord, we do pray for renew. We pray that you would... Um, be gathering more and more people into this initiative. 
Lord, we pray that everyone in, in our church body would be a part of this. That as we are renewed together, that we would be able to renew Annapolis. And that your gospel would even go out in its renewing work around the world. Because of what you're going to do in this next year. And so Lord, we pray that you would bless all these things. Bless this offering. May it be used for your kingdom. In Christ's name, amen.
I thought, you know, this might be one of the most beautiful mornings that we've had. I mean, there's been a lot of beautiful days that we've had this spring and summer, um, but it's, it's a wonderful day outside. But then when I came inside and saw all of you crammed in here like sardines, <clears throat> this is a beautiful morning. Um, we're really grateful that you all have come today, that you're willing to uh, endure a little bit of intimacy. Um, might be a little warmer in here than it is on other days, but uh, I think this is a very meaningful time for us. My, uh, one of my sons asked me the question uh, as we were sitting over in the pew, so is there a sermon today? <clears throat> and, uh, and it kind of made me think, you know, maybe some of you have the same question. And so just to let you know what we're doing today, it is a little different. Um, we're not going to have a traditional message in the 35-minute sense. Um, we're going to have a couple of different shorter uh, times in God's Word together, and so the first one uh, is coming right now. Um, so I'm going to read uh, from the Gospel. I'm, not so, I'm sorry, not the Gospel. The book of Romans. If I put my glasses on, then I'll know these things. Um, we're in Romans chapter 8. And we're going to read, in the, in the course of, of what we do here this morning, we'll read all the way from verse 18 uh, down to the end of the chapter. But for right now, I'm just going to read verses 18 through 25. Paul says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is yet to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, we groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons and the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, then we wait for it with patience. Last week, in our message, we ended our message by contemplating the idea that in order for us to grow to maturity, we also have to become unified. Unity and maturity go together. But in order for us to grow in unity, then we have to embrace both truth and love. We can't just speak speak truth and then let the chips fall where they may. We we have, but, but at the same time, we can't just love each other and never speak truthfully to each other. We have to, we have to embrace the idea of, of truthfulness and honesty with one another and, and perhaps even more importantly with ourselves, but then also blend that with, with love for one another. And the secret to doing that, I believe, requires us to embrace two gospel truths. <clears throat> One gospel truth that we need to embrace, and we did talk about this a little bit last week, is this idea that all of us are fellow sinners. There's a, a pastor who, who is no longer living, but he was a pastor in our denomination in the Philadelphia area 
who, who was kind of known, and, and Pastor Bruce has quoted him quite a few times, but he was kind of known for saying things like this, cheer up, you're worse than you think. <laughs> and the idea that, that he's trying to, to remind us of is the idea that we are fellow sinners, every single one of us. We might, we might try to compare ourselves and, and feel better about ourselves because as long as we can find somebody else that we think might be a little worse than us, then we tend to, we, we feel a little self-assured. Well, you know, I know I'm bad, but I'm not, you know, I'm not as bad as them. But that, there's really no place for that in the context of the gospel because the gospel basically says before it gets to the good news, it, it has to, to ground us in the bad news, which is we are fellow sinners. None of us is righteous. And so that ought to, to help us to, to understand that none of us are better than anyone else. And that ought to be an antidote to things like arrogance or being judgmental. So that's the first truth that we need to, to hold on to in order to grow in maturity and unity. But the other truth that we need to hold on to is that for those of us who are trusting in Christ, we are also fellow recipients of God's amazing grace. We're all, we're, we've all been, been blessed if we're in Christ by, by having God not accept us because we deserved it, but He loves us. And He welcomes us into His family as sons and daughters. And so as, as Jack Miller would say, he would say, cheer up, you're worse than you think. But then he would also say, but also understand that you are, you are more loved and accepted than you ever dared to hope. And that's important for us to understand. That, that is what becomes an antidote to having a low self, a low self view, where we start to, to hate ourselves or, or be, be hypercritical of ourselves to understand that, yes, I am a sinner, but in Christ... I'm a recipient of God's grace, and therefore I have His love and acceptance. We also acknowledged last week that that being a community, being a family, where we we embrace truth and love, that's not common. That doesn't happen commonly. And it's not easy, because there's not a program with some simple steps to follow to, to learn how to do it. It's really relational, and therefore, typically, it's pretty messy. So often we're not, we're not very good at it or we're not very comfortable with it. Well, the first, in this first section of scripture that, that we're looking at today, Paul is reminding us as if we needed to be reminded, but he's reminding us that our life in this world is a struggle. That, that's what he comes right out with in, in this section that I just read. And the primary reason that life is a struggle is not, as, as the world might say, well, yeah, of course the world is a struggle because we're surrounded by idiots, right? That's not why this life is a struggle. The reason that our lives in this world is a struggle is because all of creation has been wounded and damaged by sin and death. That's what Paul is saying. He's saying God created the world good. And he created the inhabitants of the world to be good. But you and I don't experience the world in that way anymore because the world is not as God originally made it. Sin has come into the world and with it, death has come into the world and it has changed everything. 
There is not one area of our lives that has not been impacted and wounded and damaged in some way by sin and death. Our relationship with God has been corrupted by it. Our relationship and our understanding of our very selves has been corrupted by it. That's why we we see people around us all the time who are struggling with things like depression or anxiety or other kinds of struggles. Our relationships with one another have been corrupted by sin and death. Why do you think you look in the world and you see things like war and crime and poverty and racism and sexism? All kinds of discrimination. We have terrorism that we're thinking about more and more all the time. These things exist because our relationships with one another as human beings have been corrupted by sin and death. Even creation itself has been corrupted by sin and death. It's why we have things like pollution. It's why we have things like natural disasters. It's why many of our our people here in this room struggle with things like sickness, physical pain, disabilities. And it's why every single one of us here believe that sooner or later in this world we will die. That's the corruption of sin and death. So every aspect of life has been contaminated by sin and death. But we have a hope. Paul says in verses 22 and 23 that even though we have a hope, though, and, and I, I, we're going to get to the hope in, in just a little bit, but we do have hope in Christ. We've give, been given promises that in Christ our sins are forgiven, that even death itself will one day be undone, so that death will not hold us and we will live eternity eternally with our God. But Paul says, not not that we, we get ahead of ourselves and just become simplistic about our faith. He says, even though we have this hope, we are longing for it to come to pass. He, he's acknowledging very honestly that even though we have this hope, let's be honest. We don't see it all yet. We don't feel like it's all here yet. There are still aspects of our hope that have not yet come to pass. And yet we long for it. We long for the struggle to come to a close. So in some ways it's already here. We, we have it in many, in many regards. But it's not here fully. And so there's, there's yet a future hope. And so as we sit here today, we feel the stress of these things that are going on in the world. We feel the stress of the world's politics. If you, if you have, have had thoughts over the last couple of weeks that, that have been fearful associated with things that are going on in North Korea, you're not alone. If you have concerns over things that are being said by, by our nation's leaders about things that may or may not happen over in Venezuela, and you're concerned about that, you're not alone. Things that are going on in the Middle East, we've been worried about for years now. We feel the pain and the fear of of terrorism. We've seen it just this past week in Barcelona. And it makes us wonder, will those kind of things be happening here soon? And if you worry about those things, you're not alone. We feel the division and the racial tensions 
that are that are present in our society and it's not just in you know the historically typical places like the deep south or major urban centers where there's you know lots of you know lots of concentrations of people who live in poverty but it's happening in small towns too places like charlottesville and it's really even here in annapolis and if you're concerned about things like that, if, you, if you're concerned about them because, of, because we know it shouldn't be this way, or if you're concerned about them in a way that they cause you to be fearful, you're not alone. Without drawing up sides on all of these conflicts and these issues, I just want to ask you, can you feel that struggle? That's the struggle that Paul is talking about. The recognition of the corruption of this life. And if you feel the struggle, then also do you feel the internal groaning in your own soul? The groaning that says, somehow I just don't think it's supposed to be this way. Somehow I just don't think that this is what we were meant for. That's the groaning that Paul is describing. We have it. Because this world is not what it was meant to be. It's been corrupted. It's been brought into bondage, Paul says, by sin and death. And we long for the day when it and we will be liberated. What we'd like to do this morning, while we're all together is to come before our Heavenly Father in prayer. Our Father loves us. I would argue that that He is also grieved by this struggle as well. And so we would like to come together before our Heavenly Father to confess our need for Him. That that we need Him in our lives, but we also need Him to work. because, Because frankly, if God doesn't work in all these different areas of struggle then these things are not going to improve. We can try. We can try to muster all the resources that we have, but we've been doing that for a long time. We don't have the ability to make this struggle go away or to solve these difficulties. We need God to work. And so we want to come before our Father and ask Him to be working in us and in our world. And so what we'd like to do, I'm just going to... Um, invite us in a moment to just bow, to close our eyes and, and, and bow before our Father. And I'll open us and then we'll have a, a few of our folks. They, are, they already know who they are, uh, so nobody's being you know, suddenly put on the spot. But, but we're going to have a, a few of the members of our church come and lead us in prayer. And I'm going to ask that what they do is they'll pray uh, for, for, a, for a brief time. And then after each one prays, that we'll have about a 20 or 30 second um, time of, of silence where, where I would invite all of us to just pray in the quietness of our own hearts in these different areas, these different areas of struggle that, that each person is praying for. And so uh, it won't be a marathon prayer time, um, but, it, but I hope it will be a meaningful time that we can come before the Lord, ask Him to work because we need Him. And we recognize the struggle. And so, so let us bow together. I'll open us, and then, then others will come and lead us as well. Our Father and our God, we, 
we thank you for the clarity with which you have reminded us in your word that this world is not as it was in the beginning. When you created the heavens and the earth and you filled the earth with all the living creatures, all the living organisms, it was very good. But we also know through Scripture and through our own experience that sin has come into this world and with it has come all kinds of bondage, all kinds of corruption, even death. And we recognize it. We sense it. We see the struggle all around us. There's not a single area of life that's not touched and corrupted by sin and death. And so we want to come before you now. We want to confess that we need you. We don't have the ability in our own strength, in our own hearts, to overcome these struggles. So we want to come and ask you to be working in this world, to give relief to give comfort, to give strength, and ultimately to be working through the proclamation of of the gospel of our salvation in this world, in our community, and in our hearts. And so hear us now as we pray for these various areas of struggle together. Lord, Lord, with Paul, with creation, we groan. When our first parents fell, it took no time for their sons to be at war with one another. And our history ever since has been full of conflict and strife. Manifest today, you know, as we read and watch the news, but we know of the strife in the Far East, in the Middle East, Strife in Africa and Europe. Strife in the Americas. Strife in the Mid-Atlantic. Strife in homes. As the sons of daughters of Adam and Eve, Lord, we continue to rage against one another. Oh, Prince of Peace, reign. We wait eagerly. Gracious God and Heavenly Father, we come before you acknowledging that you are the sovereign God of the universe. Our world is hurting and broken. It's filled with people who are looking in all the wrong places to find meaning, acceptance, and hope. This brokenness is pervasive in our society. So many lives are affected by addictions, by hunger, poverty, and human trafficking. Domestic violence and broken families are more common than we would like to admit. We raise our voices in anguished prayer for our sisters and brothers, our women and girls, men and boys who have been exploited and abused because of human violence, self-centeredness, and greed. We pray for those who don't know where their next meal is going to come from, that are right now struggling with hunger pains in their stomachs. We pray for those who don't know where the next where the money is going to come to pay for the bills that they have. We pray that you would shine light into the darkness of broken families and restore broken relationships. 
We pray that you would free those who are slaves to their addictions. We come before you asking for you to work in the midst of this brokenness to bring healing. Father, we ask that you would deliver people from these cycles of addictions and abuse. May they find freedom that is only found in you. May the power of the gospel be brought to bear in people's lives who have been impacted by these hardships, that the broken might know healing and justice, that all of us might live in such a way that others are not made to pay the price for our comfort and convenience. Father, we confess that we are easily overwhelmed by the brokenness of this world. Forgive us for not crying out to you, for not trusting you, the sovereign God of the universe, for not trusting that you are more than able and powerful to bring healing to our broken land. Forgive us for looking away rather than walking toward the brokenness. Give us the ability to enter into the messiness, offering the hope of Jesus Give us strength to trust you more. Give us hearts that find rest in your presence and give us the wisdom to seek peace and pursue it, remembering that it's only to be found in you alone. Thank you that the peace of your loving and strong presence guards and protects our hearts and minds in you. And thank you that we do not have to walk in fear or live in overwhelmed cycles of worry and stress. Thank you that you sent your one and only son to set us free. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Lord, for those of us who live with lives of privilege and injustice seems like a distant reality, we were really struck in the face in many ways with the reality of injustice and all of its ugliness this past week and especially last weekend. But Lord, I need to start first of all by confessing the ugliness in my own heart. So many times when I think about injustice and I see it distant, I don't feel compassion or empathy. Instead, I feel arrogance. And I say, you need to try harder and you need to work harder. And look what I have done. You can do this too. Lord, as a denomination, we need to acknowledge and confess the reality that many of our ancestors were complicit, indifferent, and even supportive of slave systems, segregation, and a Jim Crow society. But Lord, we know that the hope does not lie in doctrines of multiculturalism and tolerance. Because even though they contain some nuggets of truth, they are not founded on anything eternal. Instead, we find the eternal truth of the equal worth and dignity of all men and women, we find that in Genesis. Because the men and women of Severna Park and the men and women of Newtown 20 and the men and women of Cape St. Clair and the men and women of Woodside Gardens were all created in your image. They are all your children. And as those who have been called, as those who have been called, as Dan said, we cannot operate out of arrogance. We must be humble. And we have all been charged, all of us who have been called, in Matthew 28 to go to all nations and make disciples of all men and women. And that's the men and women of Severna Park and Newtown 20 and Cape St. Clair and Woodside Gardens. Please, Lord, make us your instruments of peace and healing and justice.
Father, we thank you so much for the precious gift of your son Jesus and his redeeming love in our lives. We ask, Lord, that as you move and redeem our lives day by day, minute by minute, that you would empower us to share that love with those around us, that we would not be frightened to proclaim the work that you are doing in and through us as a church, but also as individuals. So, Lord, we ask that you would just move in our hearts to speak freely of your redeeming love in our lives, that we can touch the city around us, the people around us, the world around us. We thank you for your precious son, Jesus, and all that he has done. Father, we thank you for hearing our prayers. You tell us in your word that where two or more are gathered, you are there in our midst, and I know we have more than two or more here. We thank you that you invite us to not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and with and petition, with thanksgiving, to present our request to you. And we, we confess we need you. Thank you for intervening in our lives for opening, opening our eyes and, and our ears and our hearts. But Lord, we know you haven't just saved us so that we might be saved. You have also called us to be instruments of your grace in this world, salt and light. So take our lives, live through us, accomplish your purposes. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together as we continue to worship.
saints now Bound in prison It won't be long It won't be long Here's your freedom Christ is risen It won't be long back we had a, a tenor in our choir named Lyle Beale and uh, his voice was very strong. Every once in a while he was asked to sing a solo and somebody would try to put a microphone in front of him and he would say, I'm not going to need that. <clears throat> I think, I think we, found, uh, <laughs> we found Lyle's successor here. Thank you all very much. That's great. Let's continue on, picking up with verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought to, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words, and He who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to His purpose. For those whom God foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, in order that He might be the firstborn among many brethren. 
And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. In the midst of this struggle, God has not left us without help. And his help, at least as we see it here in this passage, is comprised of three things. He gives us his Holy Spirit. He gives us the assurance of a plan. And he gives us the assurance of completion. The Holy Spirit, a plan, and the assurance of completion of that plan. As we saw last week, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, then God himself lives in you by his Spirit. And we saw two weeks ago that the Holy Spirit works in us with the same power that God exerted when he raised Jesus from the dead. That's the power of God that is present and working in your life if you're a follower of Christ. Elsewhere in the scriptures, the Holy Spirit is called the Comforter. He's called the Counselor. He's referred to as the one who leads us into all truth. He's referred to as the one who brings unity, the spirit of unity. We're also told, in fact, Paul just just said it. We didn't read it, but it's earlier in chapter 8. He is the one who testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. And here, the spirit helps us by praying for us by interceding for us before the Father, even when we don't even know what to pray. You see how Paul says that? He says, you know, you may be going through something in your life, and you're you're just beyond words. You don't even know how to pray anymore. And Paul says, that's okay. Still come to the Father. Because the Spirit intercedes for us with, with deep groanings that are even beyond words. He knows how to pray for you. You need only to come. That's the Holy Spirit. Then in verse 28, he talks about God working. And verse 28 is is often a verse that that Christians use to, to claim that God has promised that if I'm a Christian, my life is going to go great. Right? God works all things together for good for those who love Him and are called called according to His purpose. And we say, yes, I'm going to claim that verse every day because God is promising that my life will go great if I follow Him. Well, I'm not sure, in fact, I am pretty sure that that's not what God is promising. At least not that that it's promising that, that our lives will go great the way that we define great. It clearly states, though, that God is working. And God is working with purpose. In other words, God is working in your life, and the work that He is doing in your life and in my life is consistent with His purpose. Now here's the hardest part to believe, and that purpose is good. One of the hardest surrenders that you and I will make in this life is to come before God 
and say, I am willing to trust your purpose. I am willing to surrender to your purpose. I am willing to trust that it's good even when I can't see it. Even when I don't know the end from where I stand. Just because I trust God. That's hard. That's faith. Because God says, I have a plan. And I'm working. Will you trust me? So we have the Spirit. We have the assurance that God does have a plan. And then He assures us that He will complete that plan. Listen to what He says again in verses 29 and 30. He says, For those whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son. That's... that's That's a pretty good summary of what God is planning to do with your life. I know you want the details. You want to know, you know, if you don't already know who you're going to marry or if you're going to get married, you want to know the answer to questions like that. Where am I going to work next? How many, you know, how much money am I going to have? What's my next car? Where am I going to live? Those are all important questions, and we want to know the answers to them. God doesn't always give them to us until the right time. But here's what he's telling us ahead of time. Those whom he foreknew... He also predestined to be conformed to the image of Christ. He is telling us that in the midst of all the other details that we haven't yet seen, He is growing us to be more and more like Christ. We can count on that part. Those whom He predestined, He also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. I think it's fairly intuitive what Paul is saying here. He's saying, I have a plan. My plan is that you're going to be conformed. I've predetermined that you're going to be conformed to the image of Christ. And in order for that to happen, I, I need to call you. And so the Spirit has been working in people's lives to bring them to a place where they hear the gospel and they put their faith in Christ. That's the work of God. That's grace in our lives. And then those whom he calls, who come and put their faith in Christ, Paul says he justifies. He declares them forgiven. And not only does he declare them to be forgiven, he calls them righteous because he takes the righteousness of Christ And He covers us in it. So that when we stand before God the Father, He doesn't see us in our sin. He sees us clothed in the righteousness of Christ so that He can say, You are my child, whom I love, with whom I am well pleased. I think that part part is is pretty intuitive that Paul can, can talk about this in the past tense. Because if you're here and you're trusting in Christ, then you can look back and you can say, He's predestined you. He's called you. He's justified you. What's a little peculiar, though, is that he goes on at the end to say, in the past tense, those whom he justified, he also glorified. And the reason that's peculiar is because we know that when you, when you speak in the past tense, that means something's already happened. But here's the reality. Most of us, if we're honest, don't feel glorified. 
I would even say we're not. If you look at it in terms of what God is doing and you think about things eschatologically, sorry, don't worry about that word. You don't even have to remember that. But in, in terms of, of the way that things are unfolding in, in the way that God is going to work into the future to bring about the, the, the ultimate fulfillment of all of his promises, that's what eschatology is basically. When you think of it in those terms, we're not glorified. Not yet. And yet Paul speaks of our glorification in the past tense, like it's already happened. I believe that Paul is saying one of two things, and I'm not, I'm not sure which one, but I do believe he is saying at least one of these two things. He is either saying that you and I know people who have trusted God and who have passed on from this life And therefore, he is saying, I am assuring you that they are now glorified. And because we know that they are now glorified, I can assure you that your glorification is certain as well. He might be saying that. Or he is saying, I'm referring to your glorification in the past tense because I'm assuring you that your glorification in God's plan is every bit as certain as every other aspect of God's plan for your life. In other words, as if it's already happened. It is that certain. You know, there's, there's a company out there that, that, you know, comes into your home when there's been a flood or a fire or something, and their, and their little statement is, like it never even happened. Well, Paul's slogan is, like it's already happened. That's how certain our glory is in the plan of God. And so we have the Holy Spirit that intercedes for us when we don't even know what to pray. We have the assurance that God is working His plan. And we have the assurance that He will complete that which He has begun in us. Last week we ended our service by acknowledging that we're all broken. That we're all struggling which means that many of us are hurting. And all of us are in need of God's work in our lives. All of us are needing God to conform us to the image of Christ more and more. None of us have arrived. And that conforming work requires that we be changed. It requires that we be transformed. But he's given us his spirit. He's working his plan to completion. And we saw last week that what will go a long way to unifying us is if we are willing to be honest, truthful with one another and and with ourselves. I, I said earlier in the service, I think that's even harder. It's not that hard to be honest with each other. I'm not saying it's simple. But compared sometimes to being honest with ourselves, admitting our own need of God's work in our lives, that's hard. That's humbling. That we need to be changed. But if we'll do that, and we will love each other in the process, then that's a recipe for growing to maturity and growing in unity. 
In a couple of moments, I'd like us to pray for each other along these lines. And in, in a moment, I'm going to invite our, our elders and our deacons and our staff to come forward, but not, not quite yet. But I'm saying that so they'll be prepared because I'm going to ask them to come up into this area up front here on the floor. But before we do that, I, I want to also uh, remind you of some other things that we talked about last week. And, and some of you, I, I know some, this is vacation season. Some of you have been away. Uh, I know that there have been a couple of conversations that I've kind of overheard or heard about even this morning where some of you, you know, you show up at this service and it's wonderful, but, but in the back of your mind you're thinking, so why are we doing this? I mean, it's great, but why, why would we cancel all three of our services and just have one unified service right, right now? Um, I mean, what's the occasion, right? And, and the occasion really, in my mind, is twofold. One of, one of those folds is, is the fact that we've, we've, we're coming out of, of a message from last week that, that talked about unity. And so part of that is what, what better way to continue to pursue unity as, as God's church than to come together. Let's kind of, let's break down the, you know, we all celebrate communion once a month, but we do it in three different rooms at three different times. What, wouldn't it be wonderful to come together and, and celebrate the Lord together all at one time in the same place? So that's, so that's one of the reasons why, why we're here today in this way. But last week I also reminded us that Pastor Bruce is processing some pretty heavy emotional things right now in his life. He didn't just wake up one day, though, feeling the wounds of an abusive stepfather. He's been carrying these wounds around with him for a long time. And things like this don't stay beneath the surface but so long. And one of the things that is true of all of us is that we tend, you know, those of us who are wounded, and that's all of us, sometimes then in turn wound other people. In other words, when we're sinned against, our human na- what's our human nature's way of responding to sin against us? We tend to then sin ourselves. That's normal. I'm not saying it's acceptable and that we ought to settle for it, but it's normal. It's true of all of us. It's common for all of our experience. But here's how truth and love works. When some men who love Bruce, some of our elders who love Bruce very much, begin to uncomfortably point out some ways that Bruce had wounded some relationships because wounded people sometimes wound people. Instead of denying it, instead of diminishing it, instead of excusing it, Bruce looked at his own heart and he said, you're right, that's me. He accepted responsibility for what he had done. And that is courageous. It's courageous on the part of those who spoke the truth, because that's hard. And it's courageous 
to hear that kind of truth and to not resist it, but to accept it. Because our outward behavior really is an overflow of our heart, then, then the change has to go to the heart. And that's why we want to pray. We want to pray that, that for, for Bruce, but not just for Bruce. If you, if you hear me this morning and, you, and you're thinking, well, this is just about Bruce because he has a particular kind of thing that he's working through, guess what? We're all in this. We're all in this because Bruce is our pastor, and therefore we all ought to be in this. But we're all in this because this experience is common for all of us as well. And that's why we don't only want to pray for Bruce. We do want to pray for Bruce. And we want to pray for our church. But we also want to pray for one another. Because we're all dealing with the same kind of challenges that require truth and love. And so what we'd like to do, and so I will go ahead and invite now at this time, if we would have, if we could have our elders and our deacons and our staff uh, just come up front here. I know that space is relatively limited, but, but you've been squeezing in already, so it won't, won't be new to squeeze up here. But here's what we'd like to do. We'd like to have, have Bruce and um, Kathy, if she'd like, come on up here as well. Can we, can we persuade you to do that? <laughs> and uh, come up and be in the midst of all these people who love you. Um, and we'd like to, to come around uh, Bruce and Kathy and put our hands on them. And, uh, and we want to pray for them. But here's, here's how we'd like everyone else to participate in this. Uh, we would ask all of you here, all of us in the room, if you would be willing to lay hands forward. You know, just put your, hands on, put your hand on the shoulder of the person in front of you. I know it's a little uncomfortable, but do it gently. Um, it's, not, it's not fun to be praying for, you know, eight or nine minutes with somebody leaning with all their body weight on you. So, so try not to do that. Be sensitive to where your weight is, you know, keep, keep your weight on you. Just put your hand on, on the people in front. But here's, here's what we'd like to, to see. We'd like to have you laying hands forward all the way to the point that the people who are in the front rows are actually able to put hands on the people up front. And so what that means is if you're toward the back of this group up here, if you could be close enough to the people behind you so that they could reach you. And I don't even know, is there, is there a way that we can get the choir loft people in this too? Um, I don't know if there's a way to kind of include the worship team, you know, worship team, if you can put hands on each other and we can... I just want to include everybody. Is that so wrong? But here's, here's what we'd like to do. Is the microphone buried in there in the middle of you guys? Okay, Greg has it and the stand is back here. Okay. Um, those of you who are going to pray, you know who you are. The microphone stand is over here, and, and Greg can, can help you with that. But I'd like to, to, to open us where we would pray together for, for our pastor and for our church. And then we have a few others who will also come and lead us in prayer um, for, for one another, um, for, for various areas of struggle and, and areas where we're asking God to be working in our lives. And so um, I'll, I'll begin and then others will pray, and then I'll, I'll close us. So let's pray together. Our Father and our God, we need you. We need you to be working in us. 
And we're so grateful that you have assured us in your word, the, the, the word that we have just read here in the last, the last few minutes, that tells us that, that in the midst of our struggle, you are our help. You have given us your spirit who lives in us, who is working in us with the same power that you exerted when you raised Jesus from the dead. You're working in us to change our heart. You're working in us to grow us to maturity so that we will no longer be like children, blown and tossed by the wind. We will be stable. Lord, you've assured us that you have a plan. That plan is that we would be conformed to the image of Christ. Your plan is good. And even though we can't see it, or nor do we understand it all from our vantage point, you are working this plan, and we can trust you, and you will bring it to completion. We know that sometimes the, the spiritual surgery that you do on our hearts can be painful. But we welcome it because we know that it is being accomplished by the one who is the greatest surgeon of all, It's you, the maker of heaven and earth, the lover of our souls. Lord, we are mindful today that that we are not always very good at yielding and embracing this kind of work that you're doing in our lives. And I know that for Pastor Bruce, he feels like at this particular time he is not functioning as a leader for us. But Lord, many of us would beg to differ. What greater leadership could there be than to be willing to go first? To be willing to accept when loving brothers speak truth and to receive what they say And desire to change. And so Lord we thank you for that. We know that it's hard. We know that it's painful for him. And it's it's humbling for him. But we thank you. For his willingness. To undergo this work. That you're doing in him. And we thank you for those that. That have had the courage to. To work with him. In the midst of this. And we pray for your continued wisdom for all of them as they continue this process. But Lord, we would ask that by your Spirit you would do an amazing thing. That you would heal Bruce, strengthen him, comfort him, help him to see what you need him to see, help him to trust you. Lord, we can all testify the truth that we hear delivered through his him as an instrument through his mouth because he gets up on a weekly basis and proclaims wonderful truth to us all the time we ask lord that you would help him to believe and trust that truth for his own heart that you would work renew him strengthen him and restore him Lord, continue to lead our church. We thank you for our elders and our deacons and our staff for all the work that they do to minister 
to serve and to love us. Lord, please continue to be at work in their lives. Be conforming them after the image of your Son that we might be instruments in your hands, instruments of your grace to equip your people for ministry, for service to you and to your kingdom. Lord, we now want to pray for one another. We all struggle. We're all hurting. We're all experiencing firsthand the effects of the brokenness and the corruption of this world. And so hear us now as we pray for one another. We are thankful, Lord, for this time to come before you and worship and lift our praise and our concerns to you as a church family. You are a mighty, all-knowing and loving God, the God of all comfort. So we want to lift up to you, our EP family, those who are grieving the loss of a loved one. We pray that you will know, they will know the presence of your love in this time of sorrow. We pray that they will be comforted by the promises of your word. I pray that we as your people will come alongside of them in word and in deed to carry some of the burden of sorrow that they are feeling right now and in the days to come. Specifically, we pray for Dean and Jane Rogers and the loss of their little grandson, Christopher. We pray for his parents also, that you will be their comfort in the loss of their young son. We pray also for strength and comfort for the family of Greg Perry, for Marty Milliken and Gretchen Perry, here with us and Greg's family in Florida. Encourage their hearts and ease their pain. We continue to lift up the Verbleski family in the loss of their wife and mother and grandmother, and for the Elliots and Bells as they miss Luke so terribly. Lord, we know that there are others that are grieving and in need of your comfort and strength. And we ask you to ease their pain, encourage them with your love, and bring comfort. We are thankful for those that are in Christ. There is eternal hope that nothing can take away. Be with these we have mentioned today in Jesus' holy name. Our Father, your, your word has told us that a brother offended is more unyielding than a strong city, and quarreling is like the bars of a castle. So often, Lord, we find ourselves at cross points, and so often our, our ability to hurt one another is so real. People who are struggling from broken marriages, people who are grieving over the loss of a friend, a friendship that was so meaningful and so powerful, a relationship that seems to be going nowhere and the hurt that it causes, divorces, marriages and struggling, Friendships, children arguing with their parents, parents at loss 
because of the love that they're missing from their from their children. Elderly people who feel abandoned and lost somehow in a world that's going so fast. For all of these, Lord, we would ask that you would give us the grace to reach out and touch someone, to help each other, to use the gifts of encouragement, to build each other up, to hold each other in a very special way, to make it very meaningful, Lord, to be in the life of somebody else, to make them know we care. Help those, Lord, who are struggling, for we commit them all to you with thanksgiving and praise through Jesus our Lord. Heavenly Father, there are those that are here this morning that it is a challenge for them to be here because they are in so much physical pain. Father, our prayer list each week seems to get a little bit longer with those who are struggling with different types of physical ailments. Lord, we, this morning, as we bow before you, we lift them up to you. We pray that you might heal them. We pray that uh, you might, uh, even in the midst of their pain and, and trial that they are going through, as Dan has preached from your word in these last few moments, that you might even use this trial in life to make us more and more like you. So, Father, we lift so many that are here before you, praying that you might alleviate the pain that they feel physically, emotionally, relationally, through the blood of Christ and through the good news of the gospel. Father, would you touch us by your healing spirit, we pray. Heavenly Father, um, I'd like to lift up all of those within our church today um, that are struggling and that are hurting, um, whether it be uh, with fear or anxiety or... Um, loneliness or depression or whatever it may be. Um, I just pray that you would comfort them and um, uh, that you would be working in all of our hearts and that in the midst of the trials that we are experiencing, um, that you would just be using that to uh, make us more like you um, and to grow us closer to you. Um, I pray uh, that we would all be able to see the hope that we have um, in your son, Jesus Christ, um, and I pray uh, for us as a church that we would come alongside those that are hurting and that we would encourage and we would love um, and that uh, we would just point to you in everything that we say and everything that we do, that we would glorify you. In your heavenly name we pray. Father, again, thank you for hearing us, that we can come to you. We can come to you anytime, anywhere with any need. Lord, as we have stretched our hands out to one another here today, we know that as soon as we end this prayer and we take our hands back, we can go back to just being individuals. 
Lord, we pray that you would help us more and more to be a family, to be looking, looking out for one another, looking for the needs, looking for the hurts, engaging, not being self-sufficient, but being interdependent. Because we are a body, many parts. We need each other. You've given us gifts, but none of us have all the gifts. And so again, we need each other. And so we thank you for those that you've called to to serve as deacons. We pray that you would continue to strengthen them. We thank you for their service for all that they do, all that they've done even today to prepare that we might worship you together. We thank you for our elders, for the, the love that they have for our, for our congregation and the desire that they have to, to faithfully care for your people. We thank you for our staff, for the gifts that you've given them, the way that they lead and coordinate and organize us. We pray that you would encourage them. Give them a real joy and a real zeal for serving you and your people. Lord, thank you for hearing us, for loving us, and for giving us this help. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Want to sing? Okay. Let's go ahead and stand once again.
seat. We didn't tell you we were having church today, did we? I'm going to go ahead and invite the, the elders to come and prepare the table. I just want to read our, our third passage very quickly. Paul then says, What then shall we say in response to all these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Jesus Christ is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who is indeed interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Jesus? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No. I jumped ahead. No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure certain that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come not powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of god that is in christ jesus our lord that's the sermon i don't need to say really anything else except to say one thing paul asked this question in light of everything that we've just learned in the light of everything that paul has just told us Do you really think that God is going to send His own Son to the cross? Do you really think that God the Father is going to say to His Son, Depart from me, I never knew you. And then not take care of us. That He will atone for our sin. That He will give us the promise of eternal life. But then not be with us every moment that remains of this life. You know what Paul's answer is? It's no stinking way. It's in the Greek. (laughs) Heck no is his answer. There's no way that God is going to let you go. There's no way that God is going to let you out of his sight or he's going to take his hands off of your life. And so this table is an opportunity for us to have kind of a 3D reminder of the love that God has for us in Christ. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, He took bread and He gave thanks and He gave it to His disciples and He said, this is my body given for you. And after the supper in the same manner, He took the cup and He said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood which is shed for you for the remission of your sins. If you are trusting in Jesus today, This table is for you. This bread, this cup is for you to be strengthened in your faith, to take Jesus in. If you're not sure what you believe, if this is your first time here perhaps and you're thinking, what in the world did I walk into here today? But if you're not sure or if you're you're not trusting Christ, we, we are so glad that you're here. We're grateful for the privilege that we've had to spend this morning with you. We would simply ask this. Don't just go through the motions here. This is, this is a table, this is something that we do by faith. It's not just something that we do because everyone else is doing it. And so we would much rather you consider, who is Jesus? What have you heard about him today? What has he done for you? 
in Christ. And consider, what would it mean for you to put your trust in Him? Don't make it about bread and and cups today. But would you consider Christ? But if you are already trusting Christ, then come. Be nourished. It won't nourish your stomach. It's not enough. But may may it nourish your soul. Let me pray. Father, please come and meet us here by your table. Set these elements apart and may your spirit testify with our spirit as we take and eat and drink that we're your children, that you have loved us and you will never let us go. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So here's what we're going to do. Um, some of you may not have, have been with us in this sanctuary celebrating communion the way we've been doing it lately, and so I'll just let you know real quickly. We're going to invite you to come forward. The elders will serve you up front. Uh, you will, those of you who are in these four sections here in the, the, big, the big part, you're going to go to, to the center-most aisle. So if you're on the outside, you'll come inward. If you're on the inside, you'll still come inward, and then you'll come forward. We start in the front. And we move to the back. And so you'll just kind of follow the leader and you'll come up. Once you've been served communion, you go ahead and take the elements right there. um, And then you can circle back to the the outer aisle of your section. Um, Over here in this section, the elders will serve you up close to the screen over here. So you'll kind of go outward, outboard, if you will, and then circle back to the inward side as you go back to your aisle. And then those of you in the choir loft, thank you so much for so courageously sitting there. (laughs) <laughs> we're going to invite you to just stay seated and we'll, we'll kind of serve you by passing the, the, the plates the way that, that we have in the past. Um, now, if you would either feel like you're unable to come forward or you would just frankly not like to come forward, you're welcome to stay where you are. After the elders who serve the what I call the peanut gallery over here, or the folks in the choir loft, after they serve those folks, they will then come back into the larger part of the congregation. And if you raise your hand, they will come to you and serve you where you are. So if you put your hands up right away, you're going to be waiting for a few minutes because they're not going to come until they finish serving those two sections. Does that make sense? Okay. All right. Let us come to the Lord's table together.
faithfulness is so predictable. You are the same yesterday, today, and forever. You do not promise and then not fulfill. You do not speak and then not act. You are worthy of our trust. Lord, you have told us the truth here today. You've reminded our hearts of who you are and who we are. And Lord, our desire is that as you send us forth from this place, we would not cease to be the church. We would simply go from being the church gathered to to being the, the church distributed into this community, into this world. The world that suffers with our suffering that we would be people in need of your work in our lives, helping other people in need of your work in their lives. So remind us once again as we sing of your, of your faithfulness. It is great. Your mercies are new every morning. Help us to trust you more and more. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.
thank all of you deacons who came early and prepared for us to be able to celebrate the Lord's table and helped us park and helped us find seats and all those things. We're, we're very grateful for all you, you've done for us today. Um, please make sure you hug your child care providers. Um, <laughs> not only did they worship, miss our only worship service today, but it was a marathon for them. And so we're grateful for to them. Now receive God's blessing and benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May He continue to bless you and keep you. May He continue to make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may He continue to lift up the light of His countenance upon you and give you His peace, both now and forevermore. Amen. Amen. We're dismissed. Have a great day.